So we are in a series called Better Days. And our key message during this series has been Deuteronomy 8.2. We've also spent a lot of time in 1 Peter because 1 Peter talks to us about trials and about testing and hard times and how to have joy during those. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness for these 40 years. We're praying against this corona, right, that it's not a 40-year trial. I'm praying that it's like a 12-month trial and then we're done. Let's move on. To hum- but, it's, but the trials are to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. And like, that is so true. I don't know. And we've, we've covered this so many weeks, so I don't want to belabor it. But it's like, he allows us to go through these trials, to go through pain and hardship, not to see us suffer, but to say, hey, I want, I want your heart. I love you even in the good days, in the bad days, the tough days, the easy days. Like, I love you all the way through that. And I want you, I want you to be able to trust me. But in the trial, God is revealing what's in our heart. I love this part. It's, it's probably the thing I think about the most. Like, God, what's driving me in this action? Like, what's, is, it, is it your will or is it mine? Like, what's driving my emotion, my behavior, my words, my thoughts? And we'll get into Romans 8 here in a moment. But let me just, let me go back into the day of the ancient Greeks. Like, they believed in mind, in soul, and in spirit. They believed, like, the balance of these things. And what's cool is we read in Scripture, and in Mark 12 and 30, it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all of your mind and your strength. They were on to something. They knew, I think, what we in this country have tried to do. We try to compartmentalize, right? We try to compartmentalize my faith life from my work life, from my home life, from my hobby life. You know, when I'm with the guys, we go do this. When I'm at work, we go do this. Or when I'm hanging out with my ladies, you know, my lady friends, we go do this. And I, I think the scripture's trying to say, hey guys, what, let's talk about what our heart is, right? He's not talking about our physical organ. That He's talking about our mind, our spirit, and our soul. That's what the heart is. Mark 12.30 again says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind, and all of your strength. The reason why I think this is so important is because we're made in God's image. Like we were literally made in his image. And he's trying, to, he's trying to tell us, guys, like, quit trying to separate. Quit trying to separate these things that I made you for. Like, I love, the only thing that should be separate in our country is church and state, right? And it's to protect the church, by the way. It's not, it's not, it's not to um, punish us or ridicule. It's just to protect us and allow us to have the freedom to praise God. But in any other, in every other instance, we are one. We are mind, body, soul. He wants all of us, in other words. Like he wants all of us, all the time. And if there's any doubt in what he wants of you, like say this word, he wants all of us. Honestly, I think this is why trials come into our lives. I think this is why testing comes into our lives. Because he says, I love you enough to remind you how much you need me. Like, I love you enough 
to say, and this is personal for me, Larry, you're not going to get through this on your own. I love you enough to like this whole corona thing and how it's impacted our, our economy, our small businesses, even the churches. I love you enough to show you that the church isn't dependent upon what you do. The church are just those of us who say, I love Christ. I want to make disciples. I believe your word. And God, I trust you. Even with who gets to flow through these doors on Sundays and who doesn't. Even with those of us who choose to meet in homes and chew on his word or doesn't. Even if I'm planted here in Kodiak, Alaska, or God chooses to plant me in New Mexico, speaking of Brother Mark. Like, we don't know these things. He guides our steps. But he wants all of us, and we were made to worship. So we, this was a sermon series a while back, and I won't bring it back up again, but we were made to worship. And we're going to worship something, whether it's golf, <laughs> whether it's horses, whether it's money in the bank account, whether it's our spouse, for those of us that are, are newly married, you know. I went through that for quite a while. So, Anderson said, no, not a problem. Like, it's literally, li- literally, it took me years to get my eyes off of Myra. Like, she wasn't the one that was going to fulfill me completely. It was God. And even that was a trial for me as a husband to say, Larry, you're going to this one woman for all of your happiness and joy, and, and she's never to bear that burden like I am. There's a balance there. So Romans 8, turn with me in your Bibles, um, whether it's your version digital Bible or whether it's your traditional leather-bound Bible. Romans 8. I'm going to read from 18, and then we'll get to what's in our notes. Romans 8, 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only, the, not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groans inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is, that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us, and I'm getting to the main point of today's talk. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought to, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And this last part, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for the good of those who are called according to whose, to his purpose. To his purpose. Every now and then we get a reminder 
of whose will we're living out? Like, whose purpose am I fulfilling? Like, why, why am I walking where I'm walking? Like, why am I interacting with the people that God brings into my life? Every now and then we get a, just a sheer glimpse of, God, it's like, it's your purpose. It's your purpose. Even the desires in our heart, right? Scripture says, like, he somehow intersects our desires in his will. And I love it. His purpose. What's cool about being reminded of his purpose and knowing that all things are working together for good is it reminds us of how all-powerful, almighty, our sovereign God is. Like, right, even in these times, even in the last nine months of testing, like even what's been going on in each of our lives, like we've lost loved ones, we've lost family, we've lost friends, both physically on this earth and, might I even say, spiritually through testing. All across America, my pastor friends are sharing that people have left the church at, at almost 30% rate whether it be because of fear or whether it be because they, they were lacking maturity in the faith or whether it be because, you know, the desires of their heart took them over, the comfort of their homes or isolation. Like, I, we don't know, right? And we're, like we discussed last week, we're terrible judges of each other's hearts. Like, that's not, that's not our responsibility. Like, that's God's job. So I believe he's calling us as a, as a church, as a community, as a nation to say, hey, don't get lost. Don't let your heart, your mind, your soul, don't let it get lost in these other things that are not my will. Don't get distracted, especially in these hard times, by what's not of God. God wasn't surprised by this. He knows what's happening today, and he knows where we already are tomorrow because he's sovereign, and he is the good, the bad, the evil, the holy. Like, he's working all of it out. He's working all of it out. And he promises that he will finish the work. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. I posted this on social media yesterday, and I was, I was being a little bit feisty, but I love this quote. It says, God didn't call us to make a church. Like, that's his job. On this rock, I will build my church. He called us to make disciples. Like, he called us to point people back to his word, to point people to his son, to live it out, and to, like, chew and get to know and meditate on Scripture so that we will know the way. It's so cool to have God's word reminding me, like, this is the truth of who you are. This is what I'll have you do, even when days get confusing and hard. And I feel like I don't have answers. He says, Here, here's the answer that I want you to have. It's my scripture. It's my word. That's why I'm excited about our small groups. To be together, to hold each other accountable, to encourage each other, to work together for his good. All things work together for the good of those who love them, not just some things. We've been claiming throughout this whole message series, and I'll claim it again this morning, better days are here. A better path is right before us, and we are already on it because of Jesus Christ. Like, better days are here. 
Like he didn't, and go back and read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I always love to say this to people. Go back and read the Gospels. He never said it was going to be easy. Matter of fact, he said, if you love me and you follow me, it's going to get harder from here. But that doesn't mean that we can't have joy. It doesn't mean that we can't have peace. Better days are here. He gave us a better path, a new path. He made a better way for us. So here's one thing, and I just I want to say this. I've texted a lot of friends this week from our church, and we've had a lot of discussion about, has our church changed a little bit in the last 12 months? It's, if it has, like raise your hand a little bit. And it's, sometimes it's purposeful. Sometimes it's not purposeful. Sometimes you love it, right? Sometimes you're like, why are we doing that? I just want to say, guys, like, the one thing I've been saying all along is hold loosely on to religion. Hold tightly on the Christ and his word. Like, let's, let's to take steps together saying, Jesus, like, we have your word. What are you calling us to in this day? Like, how are you wanting to use us to reach this community? And as we've been talking just this last week in our directional meeting, the purpose of our church on Sunday morning is to, on Sunday morning, equip the saints that we would gather together in fellowship. But I think it's and that we maybe pull some of our, our friends and our strangers and our neighbors in with us. And we, what my pastor friend texts me on Sunday morning, so even got another one this morning, says, Larry, give them heaven today. Like, give them heaven today. Because that's what we're doing. That's all we're doing is pointing people to heaven and pointing people to Christ. Heaven on earth is the goal until we get to heaven to eternity. That's our job. God is doing a new thing. He is doing a new thing. He is redeeming us. He is redeeming those who choose to follow him. His plan is to redeem this world, a new heaven and a new earth. He's doing a new thing. Isaiah 43, 19 says, watch. This is like a command, I, I believe. Watch for the new thing I am going to do. It is happening already. You can see it now. I will make a road through the wilderness and give you streams of water there. He's talking about bringing Christ. Like he's talking about something for the Jews, the religious during that day, and the Gentiles, which, blew, which was mind-blowing in that time. Like he's talking about, I'm going to bring, send my son for who? For all of us. Those that would choose. Right? Those that would say, that's for me. Like I'm in. All of us. He wants all of us. He wants all of us. And he wants all of us. Like he wouldn't have made sons and daughters. He wouldn't have made men and women. He wouldn't have made all of us not to enjoy fellowship with us. Like even people that don't believe. Like does that blow your mind or not? Like he wants, he wants them to come back to him. Them, Like they're his children too. The cool part is that we all get a choice. Here's the cool part. The part about he didn't call us to make a church. He's going to do that. I love to go back to 1 Thessalonians 5, 23-24. It says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. He's talking about us, those of us who have chosen to follow Jesus Christ. And may your entire spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. 
So it's, it's so cool because he's not talking about, like, I need you to be really good so that you'll get to heaven. I need you to be really good so that you can experience my son. It's like once we've accepted Christ, those of us who are Christians, we have the Holy Spirit within us. And he is at work through the Spirit, through his word, like sanctifying us more and more for the day of Jesus Christ. We are holy because what? Because he is holy. Like, I, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm pretty much a sinner. Like, I miss the target every single day, which I always like to say, I'm like, I'm imperfect. I may be the most imperfect pastor you'll ever meet. I, I'll just claim it because it's helpful for our church to think that, right? And know that truth. But so it's not that I'm sinless as a Christian. It's not that we're sinless. It's just that over time we sin less. Like over time, it's about he is at work. And he is like, that's why the Spirit, who's been convicted by the Spirit this week, right? If you've been on social media and you've been partaking in that, I, I promise you the Spirit's trying to convict you a little bit. I'm kidding. We don't always get it right when we go on social media. But I'm most convicted in that. I'm most convicted in this. Even my brother reminded me this week, Larry, that wasn't so loving. And I'm like, you're right. Like sometimes I think the most loving thing to do is hit a brother with a two-by-four over the head and say, it's time to get your act together. And, and then I have my brothers and sisters around me going, no, that, that really wasn't loving. And it's good because I need to hear that. I need to go, you're right. That wasn't loving. Because it makes the Spirit makes us analyze what's in our hearts. The Spirit comes back and convicts us and tells us, like, here, this is the path. You're, you're a little bit off the path. Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the Word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpened, sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. It exposes our thoughts and desires. Again, it's talking about what? Our motives, like our heart, like whose will are we living for? And I, as, as a minister in Christ, I'm, like, I'm always asking God, please reveal that this is your will. Like, please reveal that this is your will. Because we, we want to be mindful of what God's doing in our churches, in our city, in our country, and how he wants to use us. He's doing a new thing in you. He's doing a new thing in me. And here's what's crazy. We have the free will to fight it. Like we do. We have the free will to fight it in our minds, in our hearts. Like how many people talk to themselves? I mean, let's just be, be honest for a minute. How many people talk to themselves during the week? And it's fine. Like I actually talk to myself out loud sometimes, especially when I mess up. I'm like, dang it, Larry, you know? And then I'll review it in my head, and then I'll review it in my heart, and I'll just keep doing it. I think it's, long as you, it's okay as long as you don't talk back to yourself. That's when you start entering in the, the, uh, the well, you need to go get some help. You know, you, you need to, like, get out of isolation after 12 months of corona shut down and, and go talk to somebody real. We can fight it all day long, and we fight it in our, what, in our minds, in our psyche, in our, our soul. And we fight, sometimes we fight the Holy Spirit conviction. Like, we fight his prompting. We, we are even as human beings, we're successful in turning that voice down if we ignore it. 
And I, I want to say, if you're in a place where maybe you're not in God's Word or we're not hearing from the Spirit so much every day, I just want to say, I, I hope it scares you a little bit to say, God, I want to hear from you. Like, I want to hear your voice. Move in your spirit again and help me get back into your word. Like, let me, let me f- hear your confirmation. And what's so cool when that happens, when I'm in his word, and I'm hanging out with brothers and sisters that are heading in the right direction and holding each other accountable, like, it's, it's confirming. So it goes from, I went in a point in my life, and I'll, just, I'll be honest with you, I'll confess this. We're sitting around a, a dinner table at my sister's house, and I probably hadn't been in the Word in more than a year, aside from the small group that I was showing up to, you know. And my, thankfully, my brother-in-law had a ton of grace and patience with me at that time. I might have been 25 or so. I was more interested in building a company. And I wasn't in His Word, but I, I was still checking the boxes. And she was sharing so much that night about how God led her to do this and God led her to do that. And who has somebody like that in their family? Like God, like God saved me from these strange people at the gas pump. And it's fine. It's not, I mean, I kind of didn't believe her, but I didn't understand it. And on the way home, but on the way home, I told Myra, does God help pick out her cereal in the morning? Like, you know, I'm like, does he tell her what like creamer to put in her coffee I was like making fun of her a little bit I'm like it's so weird to me that somebody would say that all of that but guess why I was thinking that because I wasn't in his word like I wasn't walking with him it was weird to me and I love she's great we're, we're really close by the way we're friends and so um over the years as I've been more in his word and more on my knees in prayer, and more of his truth is flowing out of my mind and my heart. I, I see it and I hear it in, in you. I, I see it in, in the way we walk, the way we behave, the way we act in the community. And I see all these confirmations of God, you're at work. You're at work in Brother Mark. You're at work in Damon, like in the, in the ministry that he's in. You're at work in so many of us in this room. And guess what? Guess where I am now? I'm thankful. Like, I'm so thankful that he's moving. We can try and run the other way. We can try and fight it. It's so easy right now to be distracted by everything that's not his will and his word and his way. There's a million different ways we could be distracted right now. Be careful with that. But also know this. He will finish the work he started I believe that he loves us so much. He's not just going to let me wander for too many years. He's constantly going to come back and say, Larry, are you ready now? Like, are you ready now? Are you done poking fun of your sister? (laughs) And are you ready to walk with me again? Because he's loving, patient. He's gracious for those of us to say, "Are are you ready now? Are you ready to walk my way, walk with me? So some of us were talking about the heart today. Myra's dad actually worked with one of the leading heart doctors in Houston, Dr. DeBakey. He was a um, college student. I think his internship was perfecting the heart transplant. And I forget what year, back in the 60s, I believe, 70s. And it's really cool if you're from Houston, like you always brag about this, like we have Dr. DeBakey and we perfected the heart transplant. And and maybe they did in Egypt too. Like, I don't know. I'm ignorant to where it might have also happened around the world. But of course, as Texans like to brag on things and just claim it's the best in the world. 
That's our job. It's our right. It's our heritage, right? And so, but they perfected the heart transplant. And if you ask him when he comes in sometime, he'll tell you about it. It was such a fun time in his life. But I'll say, guys, the scripture also is talking to us about, and I don't, about having a spiritual heart transplant, our soul, the Holy Spirit allowing that to transform us in our life, especially right now, so that it can transform our mind and it can transform what when I leave the house or I even wake up in the morning and I'm in a what a bad mood or I'm just completely like doing my own will and my own thing. It's like daily we have to what? Deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him. I believe that's possible when we say, God, I, I need you. I need your spirit to guide me today. You have my permission to transplant my heart today. Imagine yourself on the surgeon's table and your heart is failing and your family is just outside in the waiting room and they're praying for you and they're hoping you make it one more day and they're hoping you are able to have a longer life so that they can have more time with you. We all want that for those that we love. And they put a new heart in your body. And I think they'll even zap you a little bit with the paddles and get you going again. And you have a new life, a new path in front of you. That's a heart transplant. That's what happened when Christ came to this earth and said, you're mine. Like, let me transform your heart. Like, give me all of yourself. Ezekiel 36 through 26 and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit, and I will put it within you, and I will remove that heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I think God's saying, guys, it's time to give up the hard hearts. Like it's time to forgive those who we've struggled to forgive for so many years. It's time to say, God, I, like, I trust you, and I give you my whole life. I give you what we started off with, all of myself. And Spirit, like, turn your voice up in my life through God's Word, through your prompting in prayer. Like, turn your voice up. Let us no longer separate our business life from our personal walk, from my job as a husband and a wife from my who I am in the community versus who I am when I walk through these doors. Let us believe God and when he says that you're one and you're made in my image, you have my heart. I love the times when we get to remember what God did for us. I love when Jesus sat around the table with his disciples, who he walked with, what was so cool about being his disciple, if you can think about it for a moment, is they knew Jesus' heart. Because that's all he did was try, he tried to transfer heaven and what God, how much God loved us. He tried to transfer all of that into them before he left. And what was cool is his last thing he says, you will do even greater things 
because I will send you a helper. He's talking about the Spirit. He was talking about a heart transplant. Father, we love you. I am so thankful that you give us an opportunity for new life, a second chance. You literally gave us a heart transplant. You sent your son to die on the cross for us. He walked with us, with the disciples, imparted wisdom and love and grace and boldness. But Father, he was obedient to you. He died on the cross for our sin, for my sin, my past, present, and future sin. And he calls us back to you. Father, bless, bless as we remember, bless each of us, those of us who have chosen to follow Christ. We do this in remembrance of your son. In Jesus' name, amen.